0: Well, hey there guys, greetings, salutations, welcome back to the channel for this installment of Open Mic, the show where the mic is open, the floor is yours, what do you guys want to talk about in terms of the world of movies and movie news, TV and streaming and all that good stuff? That is what we are here to discuss, I'm of course your host, John Campia, good to have you guys here, I'm joined by Ray Ora back there, Hey, got Jonathan Voik over here. And there's two different ways for you guys to get a topic or question on the show for us to address. The first way is if you're watching this in one of the 23 hours of the day that we're not streaming live, or if you're listening to this in podcast format, you can send in a question anytime, 24-7, by using our tip link at streamelements.com slash campia slash tip. Or if you happen to be watching this live right now as we're doing it, you can use the super chat feature and send one in that way. And if your topic or question is considered appropriate by us to be addressed on the show, it will be addressed here on the show. Um, all right. Listen, before we get into things here, I, I want to touch on this. This is actually really neat. Of course, Oppenheimer, one half of the Barbenheimer phenomena that's out there. And of course, Barbie... Blew past the $1 billion mark. It's now setting its sights on Mario Brothers as the number one film of the year. We'll see if it can catch it or not. But a little bit more quietly in the background, Oppenheimer has done pretty damn smashing as well. It's already crossed the half billion mark. It's actually now nudging up around $570 million for an R rated period piece film. That's kind of remarkable. As a matter of fact, it's now official. Oppenheimer has joined the top 10 highest grossing R-rated movies of all time. Now, it may surprise you to find out that the movie it bumped out of the top 10 to make room for itself was Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> whoever thought that would be uh, bumped out of there. But yes, Oppenheimer is now the number 10 Highest grossing R rated film in cinematic history, and it's got uh, it could climb up a little bit higher. Let's take a look at the list of the films that are in front of it right now. So, at the number nine spot, the next movie it's going to catch is The Hangover Part Two, uh, that sits at 586 million dollars. Then, also within reach of it is Logan, one of the top three greatest comic book films of all time, in my opinion, at 614 million dollars. Ahead of that, which It's getting out there, but it might be possible for it to catch it. Uh, At number seven spot is Passion of the Christ with $622 million. Then you've got a Chinese film by the name of Detective Chinatown 3, which I had never heard of until today, at $699 million. Then the horror clown film It at $701 million. And the number four spot was Matrix Reloaded at $738 million. And the number three spot is Deadpool with 781 million. And in the number two spot is Deadpool 2 at $786 million. And of course, they're all trailing the highest grossing R-rated film ever. Also, the only R-rated film to crack to crack the Billion Dollar Club. That's Joker sitting at $1.06 billion. So congratulations yeah, to Oppenheimer for making it into the top 10. Couldn't have happened to a better movie. Um, we'll see how high it can get. Now, it has already had three weekends in the theater. Its box office generation is slowing down. But I, I do think for sure it'll catch Hangover Part 2. Maybe Logan, maybe Passion of the Christ... I mean, it's got another like almost $50 million to go to get Passion of the Christ. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, that is an impressive. You know, it's really weird when you think about it. We were talking the other day when Barbie cracked the Billion Dollar Club, became only the 53rd film in cinematic history out of the tens of thousands and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of movies that have come out. Only 53 movies. But out of those 53, only one was an R-rated film. Joker, I, you know what's funny? If you had asked me yesterday, hey, how many of those $53 billion club movies do you think are rated films? I might have said two or three. I, I knew it wasn't many, but I didn't realize it was just the one, hmm. uh, which is kind of odd, I, I suppose. Why do you, I, I, let me ask you guys, why do you think, I mean, obviously kids can't go to see the movies. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, Joker has shown you don't need children in the movies. And by the way, parents can bring... Kids can get into these movies if their parents or guardians bring them or the, or an adult bring them. So why can a movie like Joker crack that billion-dollar number and, like, literally, no other R-rated film in history has been able to do it? Do you think more people are just turned off by
1: R-rated material or...? I think uh, I think with Joker, you've got a mixture of the DC... Well, comic book fandom... And one of the most popular villains in the history of comic books. You've got a mixture in there with uh, Star Power. You've mm. got a mixture in there with cinephiles, right? Because it seems yeah. like 70s, new, new Hollywood cinema. It's a very
2: Scorsese-y very Scorsese. kind of yeah, And he actually su- supported
1: this movie. Well, yeah,
0: so. he was actually the, the original producer to kind of get the project off the ground and running.
1: So I think it appeals to a larger audience. I think a lot of those R-rated films are very specific in message and tone and oftentimes they're they're dramas that aren't going to appeal to everyone yeah um or they're action films which doesn't appeal to everyone but then when you get something like this where it's a little mix of things yeah i, mean, I think yes, that's kind of what, what it has going for it so the number two and the number
0: three spot on that list are both deadpool movies does deadpool three join the billion dollar club
1: no No. i don't oh think. three yeah deadpool oh, three. Three? ooh yeah i think it does i, I don't know. I think 100 oh, yeah. percent it does. No, oh, it yeah. You don't think so? Two billion dollars. <laughs> oh well, okay. Yeah. But it has well, to pass I, through the I mean, billion I don't know if fund. you know
0: this, but to get to two
1: billion, <laughs> yeah. it's gotta go through that one billion dollar mark. It actually has to pass through it. No, no, no. no. Well, Opening weekend, two billion dollars. Yeah, it didn't even actually hit <laughs> one billion ever. It's just went, you guys
2: ew. are going, you know, real easy on Whoa. your predictions. Oh man. I'm going above and beyond reality. <laughs> but I mean, but are we going easy on it? But like because the reality
0: is I, I don't think Deadpool's gonna be a two billion dollar film because again, only one R-rated film ever has joined one billion. Deadpool two and Deadpool One, super popular films. Neither of those cracked eight hundred. So do you wait, do you really think that Deadpool could get two billion? Deadpool really? I think it'll, it'll beat about...
2: be the number one here. It'll beat Joker for sure. So
1: you think okay, so you yeah. do think it'll cross the I don't know about
2: two. two, but if we look
1: back on this, right? 786 on Deadpool 2, Logan was six fourteen. I mean I think, if, especially, and then you're going to get just the normal X Men fans that are coming out for this thing, right? But I mean,
0: we have to assume a lot of the people who saw Deadpool also saw Logan.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think it goes far. I, I mean, because Guardians was like eight forty three, right, or eight eight something.
2: I think it definitely yeah, eight, gets in the uh,
1: eight thirty something. I think it definitely something. gets in the
2: nine hundreds. They have to play up this uh, Wolverine thing. And oh, uh, I think it's the excite marketing a lot of people. Yeah. It's got to they got to go full throttle even if he's in that suit for like maybe one scene. They've got to market it like he's in it as that Wolverine throughout the whole movie. Um I, I don't I don't know. Like uh Deadpool 3 could be the thing I like about the Deadpool movies is that you could watch them and they feel like real I don't know what the duration of both Deadpool's were, but they felt like fast movies. Like, I felt like I could watch it again right after. Oh, I, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, the, they're, like, high-paced, like, especially because of the comedy that uh, Ryan Reynolds brings to the character. They don't feel like you're sitting there and you're, like, just bored. Yeah, every you're moment like, something yeah. is
0: happening. So, uh, Just so you guys know, I just did put up a poll. Uh, for those of you watching live, I just put up a poll in the live chat. Uh, very simple question. Will Deadpool 3 join the Billion Dollar Club? So a very simple question. I'll leave that up for just a little bit uh, and uh, see what you guys have to say about that. Okay, we'll come back and visit that in a bit. But for now... Let's do what we came here to do today, guys. And again, congratulations to Oppenheimer for joining that top 10 all-time R-rated box office films. Let's now get on and start taking your questions, guys, shall we? We're going to start with our tip links. So, Jonathan, what do we got up first?
1: Dalton's first. Do you guys think that with Blue Beetle having a smaller budget than recent comic films, that crossing three to $400 million at the box office could be considered profitable? Yeah, if it ever got there. Like, yeah. If it,
0: let's, if it can get to, to $400 because they're not breaking the bank on the marketing. Like, they're not spending $150 million on the marketing. Oh,
2: it's really
0: low so they're probably spending around the 75 maybe tops 100 million dollars on marketing from what i understand the production budget i think was 120 million if if i remember correctly so yeah a 400 million dollar box office term would make it profitable not very profitable but profitable will it get to 400 million no chance in hell no chance in hell it was 120 it was 120 okay uh, it doesn't get to four hundred. Like not with Flash making two hundred and change. No. Not with Black Adam with Dwayne the Rock Johnson starring in it. Not even making four hundred million dollars. Now look again. Don't don't interpret that as me saying like I'm against Blue Beetle. I'm looking forward to this movie. I think the trailers have looked charming. I think this movie's got a lot of potential. I'm I'm excited to go see it. We're seeing it next week. Got our tickets. We're gonna go see this damn thing. I'm, oh, I'm yeah, excited. Like to get like in front two. of it.
2: It's like two in the afternoon too.
0: I am not looking forward. Oh by the way Jonathan got you a ticket too. Um I am not looking forward right. <laughs> to uh uh to watching grandma with a giant gun in the movie. They should have left that out of the trailer. Grandma? You
2: know what, you know what? It could be something special to like uh, those who have like uh, my my gra- both my grandmas are gone. Are you about to
0: say those who have grandmothers? No no no, both my grandmas are gone, but
2: you know that scene could be special to some
0: people. I'm sure it will, but it came across in the trailer as pretty cheesy, I know just right? like
2: Well, you know what? Who cares? It's it's the weakest
0: part, like that, and Dad flying the owl ship from Watchmen are two things they should have (laughs) left out of the trailer. Because other than that, the trailers are pretty darn good. It might work.
2: Yeah, I don't.
0: I don't think there's any chance this thing gets to thing. Okay. By the way, checking in on the poll. Um, I'm surprised. Only 67% of our live viewers think Deadpool 3 is going to hit a billion dollars. I actually thought- I really thought it was going to be more like 90%, but 33% of our viewers do not think it's going to hit a billion dollars. Very interesting. And I actually am with them too. I thought you just said it would beat You guys You just said it'll beat Joker. You guys swayed me. But what that's and what happened in the poll. End? You started with two billion. <laughs> that's what happened in the poll. Then you said for sure it'll be Joker, and now it's yeah. Those guys agree with me. No. It's not going to. Okay, a my, final is, <laughs> my final
2: answer is my final answer. It's not going to make a billion.
0: It started with two billion, and now we're not making a billion. Okay, yeah. we'll see. I mean, again, no, only one R-rated film in history has, and both the uh, neither of the two <laughs> double movies made eight hundred.
2: So. Maybe you're right. I have to be the one that says no. (laughs) All right, fair enough. Two of you guys say yes, so I got to say no. All right, right, what's next?
1: Right In the construction industry, if a customer wants to change something, then uh, what is agreed upon, they have to submit a change uh, order, which increases the cost. Why don't or couldn't the visual effects company implement something similar, maybe having it where a movie gets X revisions without needing to pay extra?
0: Okay, so here's the dilemma that the visual effects companies find themselves in. You could, okay, let's say you need a movie done, all right? And you got a whole bunch of visual effects shots that need to be done for your movie. So you send out a tenure to uh, all the, like say the the Voico visual effects company, the Aura visual effects company, and the Campia visual effects company. And you say, okay, guys, bid on the job. Great. I can put in my bid. Okay, I'm going to bid $10 million to do all the work you need, but I'm putting in the tenure. Uh, that will go up X percent every time you need revisions done. Okay, I could put that in. But here's my problem. If Ray Ora submits a $10 billion bid or an $11 billion, even a bid that's higher than mine, like an 11 or $12 million bid, but he doesn't put that in his contract, guess who the client's going to go with? They're going to go with Ray. Unless Jonathan put in a bid for like $9 million, and they're going to go with Jonathan. But... Mm-hmm. You put that in your contract. Like, it's assumed that you understand that revisions are going to be made. Because here's the thing. Let's say you're the producer of a movie and you got this visual effects shot and you say, I want a teddy bear in this one shot that's going to jump from this counter to this counter and then pull out a sword. All right, I can figure in my head, all right, that's going to take us, you know, four artists plus three compositors and it's going to take us this much time to do it. Okay, we can do that. But if I make it in such a way that, you know, the director sees it and doesn't quite like it and wants it changed a little bit to it's something that the director likes. Well, you gotta make room for that in your revision. Like, those revisions are natural. You can't assume that whatever you come up with instantly is what the director is gonna like or what the producers will want. So, you have to understand when you're putting your bid together, you gotta understand and factor into it in your own head that we're probably gonna need to leave a lot of time and extra resources for doing revisions. Because the first thing out of the gate, is not always the thing they go with. So, yeah, it, it's, it's problematic. It's very problematic, but that's why they're not in there.
1: All right, what's next? JM None Other writes, being production tech at my church putting up uh, LED wall screens, it got me wondering why not have LED screens or panels at movies? Quality is much better than projectors. What's your thoughts? Is there a theater with LED screens you watched a movie on? I have not,
0: but there are... Uh, some theaters out there, where I think I think it's either Sony or Samsung, has made literally, basically, their super hyper giant television screens. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of there's some advantages and there's a couple of drawbacks. The first drawback is the insane cost. The cost is huge. The second drawback is maintenance. Something goes wrong with that thing. There's only so many people on the planet who can fix it, and it's going to cost a hell of a lot to fix it.
2: Oh my god! Wait, are
0: you looking at a picture of
2: it? <laughs> one hundred forty-six. Hold on, what is this? What forty-six is this? Inch feet. One hundred forty-six.
1: Is there two
2: dashes or one? It's 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 two dashes.
1: Oh no, that's one hundred forty-six inches.
2: And this thing at uh, Samsung is two hundred nineteen thousand
1: nine hundred ninety-nine for one hundred forty-six
0: inch. Yeah. I mean, you see, I now I've got. I've got a 150-inch screen in my home theater uh-huh. with a laser short throw projector and that's with the projector and that costs about $3,000. And this one's costs how much? 219. Okay. 000. Now imagine one that's 100 feet and how much that would cost. Now, again, there are a couple of countries in Europe that have those screens and that's that's great, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess the the screens you've put up in your church probably are not the size of a movie theater screen. Uh, so, yeah, it can be really,
1: <laughs> really... Yeah, really and if you want to get to that size, you have to do multiple panels. And then you're still, like, you still have a seam, even though it's it's gapless. Yeah, and you can't
0: have that in a movie theater. You can't have multiple panels. And and it's it's, each other. You need one giant screen. And
1: it's a lot of weight. And, and it's okay, guys. Yeah.
2: You could have a, a financing plan, $6,000 per month for 36 months.
1: <laughs> I get LED, like we think LED screens are light, but not at that size. And if anything goes wrong, then you got to replace the whole thing.
0: I'm going to see if I can find the picture of the uh, thing I was
2: and, and thinking seemed, about. It seems like the common size right now, though, other than that 140, it's the 98-inch screens, which are like a little bit more doable, I guess, $6,000.
0: Uh, let me see. I can't quite find. Yeah, I know I've seen it, but they, I mean, these things would be really huge. Actually, here is an example of one. Let me see if I can get this, uh, on my, on my laptop here so you can see what I'm talking about. Okay. Go ahead
2: on that. Okay. Samsung has the world's biggest TV.
0: I think this <laughs> one is in a theater in Germany. I believe theater. that's where this one's from. Do we got my NDI? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like how, look how the size of that thing. I can't even begin to imagine the cost of that. Like that would be insane. I mean, yeah, it would be incredible, but it would the co- it would be extremely cost prohibitive. Very, very cost prohibitive for for many theaters
1: to have that. All right, what's next? Okay, we got Dave Bowers who writes Hey John and Crew. So with Oppenheimer behind us and Napoleon and Killers of the Flower Moon garnering buzz, could we be seeing the return of the historical epic? I personally would love to see more big budget films on the screen. You know, one thing I don't get is when people are like, and this is no shade, but people say, like, are we gonna see is this is the return of something? It's like none of these things have ever left.
0: Well, true, but I mean, by I think what he means by return is that like not many have had the success that Oppenheimer has had. Right. And now we got a lot of buzz with Napoleon, and there's a lot of buzz with Killers of the Flower Moon. And so this it's been a while since we've had like three big kind of historical period piece, epic movies that have had tons of buzz and maybe did really well at the box office. It really depends on how good Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon do at the box office, because if they can replicate or even surpass the success of Oppenheimer, then yeah, because I'm with you. I love these movies. Like one of my favorite movies of the last bunch of years was Gary Oldman's uh, Winston Churchill film, which I keep Finest Hour.
1: Finest Hour, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. That movie's amazing. Won Gary Oldman his first and still to this date, I believe, only Academy Award win that he had. So, uh, I mean, if this can mark the return of that, but here's the thing it's up to you and me. Like, Christopher Nolan did his job. I'm going to assume that Ridley Scott's going to do his and Martin Scorsese is going to do his and make really high quality movies. Now it's going to be up to us to go out and support them. We vote with our dollars. So if we go out and support them and watch them and they can make as much or more than Oppenheimer, yeah, you're going to see studios start to invest more in those types of films too, absolutely. All right, what's next?
1: Glenn writes, "Uh, Hi, John, Napoleon is getting released by Sony. Apple's considered a production company for the film. Just wondering how it can escape Sony's P1 contract with Netflix when its theatrical run finishes and gets put on Apple TV+. Sony's not the production company of it. That deal with Netflix
0: is for Sony-produced movies uh, net uh, Apple is the production company of record. It's their film. So they're going to use Sony as their theatrical distributor. But then once that theatrical distribution's done, it, it's Apple's movie. Apple is going to put it on Apple TV plus if Sony was the de facto production company behind the movie, then that kicks into place.
1: But this isn't a Sony produced movie. All right. What's next? Uh, Rams writes, uh, saw an early screening of Gran Turismo. I was shocked. It's fun as hell. And based on a true story, I had no idea, but Neil Blomkamp was attached. The racing scenes are amazingly shot and intense. The movie also has heart. It's simply a great sports film.
0: I, I don't know that I'm going to call Gran Turismo a great movie, but I certainly liked it more than I thought I would, but it has all, I hate saying this. It has all the hallmarks of a Neil Blomkamp movie incredible visceral visuals. But when it comes time to just telling simple points of the story, there are parts like I said this in my out of the theater review last night. there's a lot of very cliche cringy stuff in the movie too. like like really cliche. that scene with him and the girl under the bridge. Like oh it's like oh god like it, it's so badly done but a lot of the movies also really really good like I enjoyed Gran Turismo I I do recommend people go out and see it but that's kind of been the thing with Neil Blanca he can make something he knows how to make he's kind of like Zack Snyder in that way right he's a really good visual storyteller but then when it comes to the actual meat of things the mechanics of really good story flow and really good storytelling. Tend to be a little bit challenging for him. So, but again, I, for me, I think this is a win for Neil Blomkamp because the last two films of his were not Elysium and Chappie. This one's a win for him. I quite enjoyed it, and uh,
1: I hope he can build on that success. All right, what's next? Just your average Joe or Jose. Sorry, just your average Jose writes. Uh, time Traveler's Wife was brought up recently, and it made it made me want to recommend the far superior About Time. Um, Rachel McAdams, D- Donald Gleason, and Bill Nighy worth a watch or rewatch. The movie will have you in all your fields. I mean, it have issues at the uh, tissues at the ready. It is the better film. About
0: it is time. the better. And Donald Gleason, by the way, son of, uh, Brennan Gleason, who's one of my favorite actors in the world. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Donald Gleason is, he was, uh, General Hux yep. in the uh, Star Wars prequel. He's... A really good. He's he follows in his dad's footsteps. He's a really good actor, and you, I hundred percent agree with you. That is the superior of the two movies. One hundred percent. All right. What's and next? there's
1: somewhere in time with Christopher Reeves. Remember that? I forget somewhere that one. He like he like goes back in time to like the Victoria Age.
0: I don't know that I've seen that one. Oh yeah,
1: it's good. A Christopher Reeves. So, one. Yeah, he shot that. I think around the time of I want to say Superman three.
2: Okay, I'll yeah. keep my
1: eyes out for it. Uh, Anonymous writes, your friends went to see the same movie four, five, six times with kids as Quinta Brunson said, ooh, they got money.
0: Not really. (laughs) Listen. I... If you... They didn't pay any more for that trip to the theater with their kids than if they took their kids to go to Applebee's. Uh, I, I mean, really. And... You know, a lot of times, I bring this quote up every once in a while. Chris Rock, about a year or two ago, made this great commentary about the movie-going experience and going to the theaters. Chris Rock said, even with it being more expensive today, he said, Chris Rock, he said, going to the movies is like the most economical night out there still is. Like, I remember Ann and I were at a party, we went to a club, and like, I don't drink, so that saves me a lot of money. (laughs) So, but standing by the bar and people going up, like the the bar was crowded, like five people deep at the bar and like ordering like a martini that was like $21 or a shot of Jack and Coke that was like 13 bucks. And they were going back for more. It's like, you know, for that one shot you took, you could have gone to a movie and had a great time for two and a half hours. Or something like that. Again, I think when we think about the movies... Yeah, look, if you take a family of five and you get you go at prime viewing times and you everybody gets their own individual soda, popcorn, and candy snack, and you do all that kind of stuff, yeah, the, the, the bill on that can ring up. But again, if you put that in comparison to a lot of the other things you could do as a family of five going out, it, it actually becomes the most economical choice. And maybe... Maybe you get a couple of the kitties to share a popcorn or to share one of the sodas or something like that. Anyway, that's just kind of my take on it.
1: All right. What's next? Uh, Dwarfer writes, hey, John, have you seen Lamborghini with Frank Grillo and looking forward to Ferrari with Adam Driver? I did not see the
0: Lamborghini one with Frank Grillo. I didn't see that one. Was that direct to streaming or? I believe it was. Yes. Mm.
1: All right. What's next? Uh, Johan writes, Hey John and crew. Have you seen the 1986 hockey movie? Youngblood Youngblood, Rob Lowe. (laughs) Yep. Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves also has a small role. One of my favorite movies as a kid and actually still is go Hamilton mustangs.
0: I mean, look, whenever you start your question with John, have you seen the hockey movie? I can just stop (laughs) you right there and tell you. Yes. Um, not actually my favorite of the hockey movies. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. um, I don't love that one. <laughs> I don't... Like, when people ask me for good recommendations of hockey movies, um, it, you will usually start with... Uh, the, the one I'll start with usually is Slapshot. Paul Newman, all-time classic. It's absolutely hilarious. But I think my favorite hockey... Isn't Miracle on Ice? or I think my all-time favorite hockey movie is still as, actually Mystery Alaska with uh, Russell Crowe. That movie... Is forget the hockey aspect of it, although it's hard to because the whole movie is based on hockey. But I mean, take the hockey aspect out of it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, you should absolutely check that. And some I, I, I you know, I, know I see people saying Mighty Ducks. So yeah, love, they're the brothers. I love Slap Shot. <laughs> yeah, you know, Slap
2: Shot is so fun. You know what movie that surprised me and I actually thought was pretty good? The Goon with uh, Sean. Oh
0: Ed- yeah, that's another I, really, I really good one. I really like that and, one. Uh, 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 uh Saber uh, Lev Schreiber.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was He's, really good.
0: That's a really good movie actually. I still put Mystery Alaska above it, but that is another really what good one. What was
2: it? Uh, the Goon. The Goon. Oh yeah. It's Yeah. Called, yeah. You know, it's all about the last guy you know they what? put in to beat up people. God, <laughs> about and that. And what's,
0: what's the dude's name for dude what? Sean Chastain. Like, Sean, Sean, S- S- Sean yeah. Scott, Scott
2: Stifler. Scott. Stifler. Yeah, Stifler, yeah, right? Whatever Stifler's
0: <laughs> name is. I, he was in that rundown movie with
2: uh, with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Oh yeah.
0: Right. But I think Goon is his best performance Oh, no, of his no, 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 no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that's
2: no a good doubt. One. That's one of the ones right there. All right, what's next? All right.
1: Uh, JM None Other writes, which sports team wins a champ first in the next 30 years? Your Maple Leafs, Padres, Tennessee Titans, or New York Knicks? If you haven't watched, uh, Urinating Tree on YouTube did a vast 40-minute video going over the half-century failure of the Leafs. Leafs just bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, again, the Toronto Maple Leafs
0: have not even been to the Stanley Cup finals in the entire time that I've drawn breath on the earth. Like, I, I've never been alive when the Toronto Maple Leafs forget won the Stanley Cup, even got there. Listen... Did they and, get there,
2: though? At least? Like, oh, they the won last... many
0: Stanley Cups. Oh, yeah, but there was all before I was born. Oh, so they've won a the Stanley Cup. Many. They they are, they are, yeah, they're one of the original six. They are like iconic, legendary teams of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it was all before I was born. Uh, but you got to remember, in sports terms, four years is an absolute eternity. A team that finishes in dead last in their league this year, four years from now, absolutely could could be at the beginning of a dynasty of winning several rings. I mean, that's just the thing. So it's really impossible to say. Right now, I would say the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're actually quite a good team right now. Uh, Whether or not they'll win a cup, I don't know. I thought last year might have been their year, and that didn't work out, but... They, they are the best team in their league right now out of that list, so I'll
2: say Toronto. But last year should also prove to you that a lower team can actually, if they hit their stride, they could run through the... Didn't, didn't that number 8 team win, you said? Well, Why they didn't it? win, like the oh. Florida Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they beat everybody up there? They got to the
0: Stanley Cup Final, but that was a little... A little deceiving because they had, like, won the Stanley Cup just recently. So, like, they had an awkward season where they finished lower in the ranks and then they started to tear it up. They're the ones who knocked Toronto out of the playoffs, by the way. But, by the way, big congrats to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They set the record for the earliest team that came into the league in the expansion era to then win a Stanley Cup. So, good for them, man.
1: All right, what's next? Okay, uh, I am Andy Newton Wright. So yesterday I finally got to watch Oppenheimer, where I live now, in uh, Marrakesh, Morocco. That's oh, wow, awesome, cool. man. I've been to Marrakesh and Fez. I love Morocco. Great movie, great cast, but the best part, ticket was around only around $4, yes, 4 and there was only two trailers before the movie started, regular price, no special event.
2: Well, that is
1: pretty awesome.
2: That's bizarre world.
1: But But let me
0: take what you just said. And spin off a little bit. You're talking about only two trailers. Okay. I hope I'm not being premature with this. I give AMC theaters a lot of shit for the idiotic, brain-dead, asinine practice they have of telling you a movie starts at 7, but really it starts at 7.30 because they do a half-fucking-hour of shoving commercials down your throats. So let What's me give wrong, them <laughs> let me give them some credit. Man. the last 3 times, the last 3 movies I have gone to at an AMC theaters, they've started within about 16 minutes of the advertised start time, which is about a good 13, 12, 13 or 14 minutes less commercials and trailers than what they normally do. Now, I don't know if we just happen to be at three screenings where they just so happen to do less, but if this is a change in policy at AMC theaters where they have actually started fucking finally listening to me (laughs) and and the throngs of other movie fans and there, if they are actually shortening the number of trailers commercials they are playing, Hey, listen, I give them shit for how much? I'm going to have to give them a lot of credit if they're actually doing that.
2: I'm going to have to fight you on this because I was with you in the last three, and don't, didn't you notice that they played the longest version of the Nicole Kidman? Well, yes,
0: commercial. but so overall... So it could have been shorter. It but have, overall, yeah. instead of... Like, we went to a movie last night that started at 7. It's, it said the movie's time is at 7 o'clock, and instead of starting when it would normally actually start, which is like 7.29 or 7.30 or 7.31... It started at like seven sixteen. I remember as when the first Sony screen came up, I actually looked at my watch. It's like it's seven sixteen, and they've done that for the last couple of movies I've seen. I, I, I'm not. I'm trying not to get too happy about it because maybe it was just some kind of coincidence that three movies are. <laughs> but if they have actually decided to shorten that pre-show window, good on them. I'm going to give them a lot of credit for that. I think
1: that uh, when I saw Barbie on Monday, it was a six fifty screening. Six fifty. Six fifty. And I think we had movie rolling, like by six ten, it was already in. So that's that would minutes. be
0: about almost ten minutes shorter yeah. of a of a pre show time than they've normally done. So, hey, I give them crap for doing stupid things. If they do some right here, I got to give them some credit. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take one more before our break.
1: All right, Wesley C writes got early Dolby ticks for Gran Turismo. I'm excited. Racing movies are electric in there. Uh, think projections are helped by Neil moving away from high concept cyberpunk stuff. That's the question. Simple, uh, grounded underdog story and race cars, easier for his directing skill to shine?
0: Uh, I I mean, it's it's hard to look at District 9 and not say he can really shine (laughs) by doing higher concept sci-fi stuff. Um, Again, I think it's just the basic mechanics of storytelling that are his struggle. Telling gorgeous visual, putting gorgeous visual images on screen that, that draw you in, that's never been a weak spot for him. He's very, very good at that. When you look at films like Chappie and Elysium and, and even Gran Turismo, which I like. I like this movie.
2: I really like this movie.
0: But it, it becomes apparent that where, where he needs to develop a little bit is on the basic mechanics of storytelling, just pure storytelling. And, um, and there are some high points in the storytelling of Gran Turismo.
1: The I, difference too is, is that he only directed Gran Turismo, whereas he wrote and directed chapter. Yeah, and maybe and wrote that's indirectly. So maybe, maybe it's that's a writing a, issue and I an a avenue directing. you
0: should continue to follow.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, listen guys, we got a lot more to cover here, but before we do, we're gonna take a quick second here and we're gonna thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode, our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video. Better Help. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Think about it. The person you were five years ago is not the exact person that you are today. Therapy is all about deepening your self awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. Better Help connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self discovery from wherever you are. And guys, striving for better mental health is something we should all aspire to. I've talked about this before, but when somebody goes to the gym, we applaud them for getting out there to improve their physical health. Well, it's about time that we start looking at mental health the same way, not just by encouraging the people around us to look into therapy, but by also taking the step to take care of our own mental health as well. So listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with better help. Visit betterhelpcom campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash campia. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Fall is right around the corner and HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered to your door. Simply choose your recipes and pick your delivery date, then lay back and enjoy the last days of summer knowing that dinner is covered. Feel like you would love a wholesome homemade meal but there's just not enough time? Well, with HelloFresh all you need is 15 minutes and you'll be enjoying a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. Just look for their quick and easy dinner options plus quick breakfasts and lunches too. My wife Ann and I are both working professionals and dinner time is always stressful and time-consuming. And that's one of the main reasons we absolutely love HelloFresh and we always end up with a great dinner. So go to hellofresh.com/50campia and use the code 50 Campia for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash 50 Campia and use the code 50 Campia. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, let's get back to your questions here, shall we? Jonathan, what we got up
1: next? J.M. None, none Other writes, besides the things that unions want and say they need to make a better living in Hollywood, should they be looking to their little political... Uh, local politicians to improve everyday costs. For what I do f- uh, for my Tennessee job, my salary would have to double uh, to live in California or New York. The, the, listen, it's supply and demand. It's, yeah.
0: There's certain, you want to live in California, you want to live in Los Angeles? It's it's more expensive because everybody wants to live in Los Angeles. I mean, that's the thing. It's so there's really nothing that can be done about that. It's, it's, it's property. It's also a really high um, population. In Los Angeles, that raises the cost of other things because I mean, where you live in Tennessee just doesn't have that, right? And you're not a coastal town and you're all that kind of stuff. So it's just a more expensive place to live. It's just part of the reality. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, Attack writes, Barbie making a billion reminds me why I love the box office. So unpredictable and even surefire hits or flops can surprise. Ant-Man 3 bombing, flash bombing, MI7 underperforming, Elementals legging out and Oppenheimer passing 500 million all surprised me.
0: I mean, no, it's it's true. It's one of the most interesting things. You know, sometimes people criticize it. Like, John, like, why do you care so much about box office? And I've given the speech a hundred times. Like, you know, it's box office is not about how much money a movie made. Box office is something that gives us a treasure chest full of information. Box office tells us what movies is the audience actually looking for? What kind of marketing campaigns were actually effective that got people out to see the movies? What movies, what kinds of movies are people wanting to avoid? What appealed to the audience and enlisted them to want to get out to the movie? What types of movies got people to want to go back two, three, or four times? like? It is short-sighted when people say, why do we care about box office? It's not our money. Well, because box office tells us a million things that are really fascinating. And like you said, they always surprise us. All right, what's next?
1: A baked orc writes, Zugzug, I heard about your BG3 tech problems uh, on the Larian launcher. Select Vulcan before you hit play. Uh Uh-huh, did all that. Some systems will run better with Vulcan and others DirectX. During the day, I'm a fully sober network engineer orc with IT field service experience. If you're still having problems, shoot me an email, and I'll help you out. I want to support your adventure in Baldur's Gate 3 uh, as much as possible. This game is what you've been waiting for. I can also give you combat tips. If you get stuck, bring all the filthy.
0: Yeah, I'm Dang. almost I'm almost ready to tell Baldur's Gate 3 to go fuck itself. So. Oh, wow, I, already. Jeez. Dude, I spend, I was up till 2 in the morning. So for those of you who know, I have been... I cannot remember the last time I've been as excited about a video game as I have been for Baldur's Gate 3. A true Dungeons & Dragons, a real true Dungeons & Dragons experience with a computer game. Um, Now, I'm running it on not the newest PC, but it's a AMD Ryzen 9 16-core processor. It's 64 gigs of RAM. It's a GeForce 3070 video card, which the papers on Baldur's Gate 3 should be enough to smash through that game, no problem. And so I downloaded it fired up the game, got through the intro cutscene, and got into character creation, and every time the game crashes or it crashes my computer, whenever at some point in character creation, sometimes right are at the beginning of character creation, sometimes I get a few minutes into character creation every time. To be clear, I have done it dozens of times in both Vulkan and in DirectX. I have updated the video drivers, I have rolled back the video drivers. I have validated the install files. I have deleted the game and reinstalled the game. I have done everything. I stayed up till 2.30 in the morning last night, desperately trying to get this fucker to run. And without fail, every time, character creation crash. Every time. And I've tried everything. Jonathan, you got some violin music you can play.
1: <laughs> I'll search it. I'm and
0: by the way, this computer that we're doing it on runs DaVinci Resolve. It runs Diablo Four. It runs like it 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 runs everything. It, it just but this game crashes, and I'm I'm gonna go home today. I'm gonna give it another hour of <laughs> trying to get it to work, and if it doesn't, I'm just gonna give the holy blessed double efforts. Fuck you, Baldur's Gate, and
2: trash the damn. thing. So what thing. time do you think you're gonna start doing that? <laughs> because I'll be at your house hour after that, picking up that computer and trying it at my place. <laughs> you're more it. than welcome to. So I rough. hope you can get it to work. I really want to play this game. I really man. do. I
0: want to play I desperately want to play it, but uh, apparently it doesn't want to be played because they put out a piece of
1: shit software. <laughs> all right. What's next? The dumb of all fears. Did you know that Gran Turismo is based on a true story? I didn't know it was based on a true story. They should be letting everyone know it's based on a true story because if it's based on a true story, you let people know it's based on a true story. Now, how did I know you were going to get loud with that? I just started I, taking that as an. I, I gotta say, man,
0: the first thing I ever knew about Gran Turismo was that it was based on a true story. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, unless you're being completely facetious, if you are, I, okay, that's cool. But I mean, <laughs> okay, I, I mean, yeah. really. They have done a cool. really good job letting people know this has been based on a true story. Like I said, it was the very first thing I knew about the movie.
2: I have to think back on the trailer. Other than us going to CinemaCon, would we have known it was? Yeah, based on a true story. Like Okay. Yeah. All right, what's next?
1: Anonymous writes, one of two, if Disney is trying to push people to the ad-supported tier, is that really the best course of action for them, given the residual debate? If my understanding is correct, the reason actors, writers, directors don't get good residuals from streaming is because the shows and movies don't generate money from their views, but that's not the case for the ad-supported tier. Ad revenue would make it no different than network TV, entitling them to piece of the pie. Thoughts?
0: Well, first of all, actors are entitled to nothing because they don't have a contract right now. Just just to be clear, actors are entitled to nothing. Studios can do whatever they want at at this point. Remember, historically, residuals were not based on television commercials. Residuals used to be based on licensing. So like when a TV show would finish its six-season run on NBC, this is the old model, the old television model. A show would say would run five seasons on NBC, okay. And then when it was done its run, and the show was now done and canceled, then later, another, a bunch of local networks around the country would start licensing and picking up those shows in the magic word, syndication. And that was always the big thing in television production. You wanted your show to last at least three seasons because if your show got three seasons, then it became viable for syndication. So little other networks around them can can pay rights, pick them up and run it on theirs. And those rights and the fees for those rights were the main basis for what was known as residuals. It wasn't really based off of television commercials. But, I mean, that can be a part of it and the factor of it. So, again, at the end of the day, studios don't have to give actors anything. To be frank with you, I'm still not 100% convinced actors should get residuals. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I still am of the mindset, it's like, well, wait a minute, a thousand people worked on that show. Why didn't? Why doesn't the set designer who... You know, if you think about the show Friends, that living room, the coffee shop, all that kind of stuff, a set designer meticulously went in and designed that, that became a part of the DNA of that show. Uh, that set designer doesn't get residuals. The The director or, you know, one of the ADs on that show who worked tirelessly, probably 15 hours a day on that show every day, the show couldn't have happened without them. They don't get residuals. Why do the actors get residuals? I mean, again, I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying I'm still kind of in a gray cloud about, somebody needs to explain to me why actors get residuals well, and nobody else I does. I would
1: say the only argument I have against that, it's not even an argument, just a reasoning, is that the carpenter goes on to the next, the next, you know, gig. sound stage, the next gig builds the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And Isn't the, that what actors do though? Yeah, but, but the sound, the, it, no one cares what the, uh, the carpenter looks like. And if they can fit a certain role and if they're too old or too young or this or that, as long as they're in the job, they move on to the next gig. Now, I get it. You still have to like audition, not audition, but, you know, have a resume. But if you're also with a crew that's already working with a production company, then you're already kind of guaranteed the next job. And no, so like with actors, it's like, well, they can only fill a certain role and they can only fill that based on their age or their gender for so long. Because then they age out and then it's, you know what I mean? So there is like a limitation to your, what you can get. Whereas if you're a tradesmith, you can keep working till you're 70, but I get it.
2: I, yeah. I, you know, wait, I, let me add to this. I watched Hijack mainly because Idris Elba was the main guy in it. So there is some sort of but, but again, reasoning why I went to wa- want to watch that.
0: My counter to that is, would be, well, that's why you give Edris Elba a big salary. That's why you pay him the big bucks cuz I tell you what, I guarantee you, Ed, Idris Elba got 10 times the paycheck of anybody else who worked on that show, right? So which which I'm I'm not begrudging him. I yes. But then why should he continue to make money when nobody else who busted their ass on that show, and probably busted their ass more on that show than Idris Elba did. Uh, I, I again it's just
2: yeah, but I, like you know, I, I'm, if I I'm go in back, a on it.
0: if I go back, I've never said, "Oh, this and, person- and here's the thing. This is my big thing though. This is my big thing. <laughs> okay. It comes down to a basic principle that I believe. That unless you are financially risking, why should you reap reward? Like, if I put up the money to make something, if the thing doesn't succeed, I'm the only one who loses money.
2: I get that point now. Right? Yeah.
0: So if I'm the only one who's taken the risk... And I'm the only one who stands to lose money and everybody else gets paid. Everybody else gets paid what, they, what their contract says they get paid. They profit from this, but I'm the one who stands to lose money. Then guess what? If I'm the one who stands to lose money, then later on, when there's the chance for future reward, I'm the one who's entitled to that future reward. Because here's the thing to me. Uh, somebody puts up the money for the show. If a show doesn't work out, the person who put up the money loses money. The actors don't have to give back their paychecks. Yeah. So here's what I've said this before. I'm more in line with what Robert Downey Jr. did with Avengers where Robert Downey Jr. got points. So here's what Robert Downey Jr. did with Marvel. He signed up and took a smaller paycheck than he normally would have in exchange that if these movies go on to make big money, he would get a certain percentage of the box office, right? So in essence, by taking a smaller than normal paycheck, he was risking. So I'm all for, if actors want to say, okay, my rate for something like this is $250,000, but I'll do it for $75,000 if I get 1.2% of the box office that it makes or, or, you know, whatever, something like that. Because then the actors actually... They've got skin in the game now. They're actually taking a risk. They're taking a much smaller salary. So they stand to lose money.
2: It's like air. It's like air. The deal they made. Anytime you use this actor, then you get paid, right? It's like, like, it's sort of like that. What, what the actors are trying to get is what, what sort of like what the deal was. So to me,
0: the unfair thing is that, Hey, you're an actor. I'm putting up $10 million to make my movie. You're an actor and I'm, I'm paying you a million dollars to be in my movie. Okay. Even if my movie crashes, burns, and flops, and I lose everything, you still got a million dollars. So why should you stand to profit more if the movie's successful later?
2: It, it doesn't make sense to me. But also, if a film does flop, sometimes the actor doesn't recover too from that. It's like it's they like, got their also, million dollars. I know, but it's also like the producers actually pick that actor because they feel that actor will bring in money too. Like right? It's like, I know. like
0: a George Clooney's been in a lot of movies that that flopped. Mm-hmm. And didn't make money, and he's still George Clooney. And he's still, I mean, look at Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage has been in a hundred made no money movies, but he's still Nicolas Cage and he There's still gets a lot the stuff. of money,
2: though, in Hollywood. And uh, I think it should but, go I mean, around.
0: Yes, but at the same time, is there? Because look at the streaming services. Right. Disney's losing billions of dollars on Disney Plus. Disney's fault. Paramount is losing tons of money <laughs> yeah, on, on things. <laughs> Peacock is losing money right. every single year. Again, I, I I just think there's a bigger... And, and I'm only presenting my against side. Like, I've also got a side in my brain that's very for actors getting residuals. I'm just saying, I'm still not real sure that, that I'm with them on that part.
2: If If streaming were to blow up and start making the, all the studios money, would you be more on board to the residual thing?
0: I would be more on board to, to I think, actors getting bigger paychecks up front. Okay. I think I think actors should be making more money up front, to be honest with you. I think yeah. they should be. I think, I think not your A-list actors. I'm talking your daily working actors do not make enough money. Yeah, they, they need they to don't get need paid to be more.
2: more. Driving Uber or whatever. Yeah, yeah they should exactly. Be concentrating that, on their craft.
0: Yeah, we remember we were talking about that with Orange is the right. new black. There was an actress who literally said we were on this number one worldwide hit show, and there were a couple of cast people who literally had to go home from set and go drive Uber just to make ends meet. That's got to change. These actors need to make more money, especially for these big hit shows. I just wonder about what happens later. I'm still unclear about that, but that's just me. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, moving on to Supers. Um, CJ Rebirth, I can hear you being quiet, Mom. I hope I didn't ice your game, man. No one my age says those words. The whole scene is still my favorite in the movie.
2: No one ever says the movie though. They always quote us, and they never give us the movie. I I, I don't remember. I don't recall that. That sounds very familiar. Familiar. Uh, Ice my game. Uh, Ice your game, mom. I, I I don't remember it off the top of my head. That was something we we had to watch recently. But yeah, well, if if it comes up, then well, right, saying what's Spider-verse next? Spider Verse. Oh, they're saying I that, don't. Rem- that's what did I was they thinking. quote the line properly?
1: I can hear you being quiet. I can, oh, hear, oh, I yeah. quiet.
0: I can right, hear you right, being right. quiet, Mom. Oh, then the mom says, uh, "Oh, I hope I, I didn't did. mean to." I should, the mom says yeah. that. Okay. I'm like, Miles never said that. Okay, the mom said that. Yeah, it says he did All right. Okay, what's next?
1: Oh, All right, pause so. TV <laughs> writes. Anyone played the Just Dance video games before?
2: Oh, is that, I remember. I tried the ones. Where where yeah, with the ago. connect. Yeah, That's where they t- did the full body camera. Yep. No. All
1: right. What's next? Uh sorry. Uh, CJ Rebirth writes. Uh, we're a- Animani totally insane. Oh, we're a- Animani totally insane. have no shame. thank oh. you, Steven Spielberg, <laughs> and Gully for giving me the revival and reintroducing me to the original Animaniacs. They lock us in the tower. Whenever we get caught, we break loose
0: and then Van and Now you know the plot. We're Animani. Oh I-, I can recite all. I can,
2: I can recite all the Animaniacs. And songs. love that show to death. Lake
0: Titicaca. Lake Titicaca. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
2: I don't even know. Bolivia <laughs> and Peru. Oh my god. <sighs> next question,
1: John. Come on. Suthias Rice. Add Tony Curran to the list of actors or actresses who have portrayed more than one character in the MCU. He was the British director in Secret Invasion. And then he was uh, Odin's father, Bor, in Thor Dark World.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, like I'm sure there are probably a lot of smaller
1: roles and stuff like that, that maybe actors are prized more, but that's an interesting one. All right. What's next? Daily profit rights. I think you already know WB is making a hot wheels live action movie from Mattel, just like Barbie fast cars, bending the laws of physics. I beat that. I think they announced that one. I, Honestly, without being facetious, I think
0: I remember us covering talking about that in the AMC movie talk mm-hmm. days.
2: I think Justin Lin was actually supposed, or what, uh, not Justin. Uh, sorry, I made a graphic for it too because I remember I used. But it was one back those, in the movie talk yeah. days right?
0: that that's been around for a while. But is it still happening? Let's
2: see. I mean I, I mean, I don't know,
1: but I hope I hope Mattel realizes that Barbie's not just a huge hit because it's a toy line that is popular over decades. It's it's the writing. And it's the story that people are coming yeah. back to and t- telling people, you got to go see this. It's so different. Like, it's not just because she's Barbie. So yeah. I hope they get that.
2: Well, there's J.J. There's Abrams is supposed to be behind this. Oh, it's
1: going to be a mystery box.
2: <laughs> and the news was just from July so of this year. So. All right. What's next? As long as I get
1: my lens flares. James Welsh writes, <laughs> so I read in Forbes, Dizzy spent $210 million on Secret Invasion. 140 million on low key season two. To me, that's insane. I watch season or I watch Secret Invasion and I don't see 210 million.
0: What's the total runtime of Secret Invasion? I mean, it's. It, it, How many episodes was it? Six. Six episodes, I believe. And they were a
1: little longer. So, I mean.
0: A couple of them were, were longer.
1: Yeah. So let's just say pushing five hours. Four I mean, hours and four, 32 minutes. Four and a half Four hour hours and 32 hours. minutes. So you're talking about two feature length
0: films. Um by Marvel standards that would be like spending 100 million dollars on a full feature length film. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people today think when they think about uh, budget, they only think in terms of visual effects. They there's a lot more to it than just the visual effects. I mean, I agree that seems a little high.
1: Average is 35 million an episode.
0: 35 million an episode? So, I mean, that seems a little bit high, but but again, if you thought about an MCU movie being made for $100 million, which is essentially that's what it that is, two of those put together. I mean, it does still seem a little bit high, but not tremendously over cost, to be honest with you. All right. What's next? Um, and by the way, a lot of that probably went to salary for Don
1: Cheadle and Samuel L. Jackson. All right. C.J. Adams writes, I found the leaked opening of Deadpool 3. Somehow Thanos returned. <laughs> Don't even
0: get me started on that, man. <laughs> Somehow the Emperor's returned. All
1: right, what's next? Aiden Foley writes, uh, hey, John, had a rough week with severe anxiety and whatnot, but thank you so much for being here for me. Um, I love talking films with my online fr- family. I'll
0: tell you what, it, it's it never ceases to amaze me how— When I get into a place of real stress or I've had something really bad happen or I'm feeling down, whatever, just the simple act of either watching a movie or jumping online and jumping into an online film discussion going on. It doesn't make my problems go away, but it just gives me a much needed reprieve from dealing with it. And then when I come out of the movie or come out of that film discussion, the problems are still there. I'm just in a better place to deal with them. I've got a little bit of a change of perspective. I'm not like spiraling or anything like that. And that's why I don't think Marvels are just a distraction or just an escape. I think there's a reason why we as human beings to the earliest recorded parts of our history, we as a species are storytellers. And there's power in the telling of stories and being a part of a community that loves to talk about those stories. And that's why, one of the big reasons why I love what we do. All
1: right, what's next? Okay, we've got uh, Gabriel who writes, theaters will be dry for the next couple weeks.
0: A little bit. Well, we got Blue Beetle coming out. Uh Stray, Gran Turismo. Turismo. What's that? Strays. Stray. I'm super excited for Strays. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for Strays. Uh, Gran Turismo ended up being a, a better movie than I thought. It opens up in theaters this weekend. So I... I mean, I, I mean, you got no billion dollar films opening, right. sure, but I, I actually think it's a pretty good time right now for theaters. Sometimes
1: when they're dry, I do like to see these like re-releases of films that they do. Yeah, like, like Enter the Dragon is coming up or whatever. We got
0: Old Boy is getting a Old limited boy And also Jurassic well.
1: Park is getting re-released. In theaters. They
0: do that. Jurassic Park yeah. re-releases every once in a while. They go back to that one a lot. So anyway. All right. What's next?
1: Um, Harv's K writes, rest in peace to good Canadian kid Robbie. Oh, yeah, I just read that yesterday. Robbie Robertson of the band The Last Waltz is one of the great rock concert films. Um, it was Scorsese directed that. Uh, and it looks like his final work will be the score for Killers of the Flower Moon.
0: You know, I am not familiar with the band.
1: Yeah, the band. Either. So the band got their name, the band, because they were Bob Dylan's backing band when he went electric. Oh, I never knew that story. Right. And so, you know, they do the song The Way. And uh, they do some other stuff. Um, uh, and Robbie Robertson was the singer. I don't know if you, it's my favorite, uh, like, rock and roll documentary. It's called The Last Waltz. And it's about their final concert. I never saw it. Dude, it's everyone. Like, Neil Young. Uh, like, Neil Diamond is in it. Like, they have all these, like, huge names at the time of the 70s that came on to do a number with them for their farewell concert. And Scorsese directs it. I. It's great.
0: It's, I've never heard of it, and now it's got to completely be on my own. Okay, I'm going to make sure it. I check it out. Yeah, yeah.
1: All, right, All right, what's next? Uh, Fangblaze71 writes What are some of your guys' favorite songs featured in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Break the Chain from Volume 2 is my personal favorite. I, I, it, they started it,
0: they started Guardians with it, and they ended the Guardian story with it. Mm. Uh, come and Get Your Love. Like Red, that. Just, Redbone? They, yeah, that song just to me now is Guardians of the Galaxy. Whenever I hear this up, boom. Bom, 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 bom. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I, my whole imagination, my whole being is teleported into Guardians of the Galaxy. That to me is a song that represents the, the franchise. So, but there are a lot of good ones. Do you guys have any
2: other ones that you? Yeah, really I like? really like the last one, the one where they're, they go into space in the trailer. That song, I forgot what it's called. I had it playing like on repeat for like a day or two. I after can't remember I saw which Guardians. one that is. The woo, oh yeah, oh yeah, Space Hog. Yeah, yeah. I just like that one a lot right now i liked
1: uh the thes uh this is the day i like that song in general um in you know the, what's really good too three. right
0: right near the end of guardians 3 uh-huh. when they're all celebrating on nowhere the dark days that yeah, dark day, it's so that, that was really good use but
1: still to me come and get your love that's that's the one <laughs> and then me. i would say my second uh i don't know the second but in the moment my favorite is uh yondu's um Funeral, and they're playing. Oh, cat Stevens. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe it's Cat Stevens. I'm kind of looking at the the list here. Um, yeah, father and son. Yeah, All right, yeah. what's next? Uh, John Redcorn writes. Between Barbie and Spider Verse, it's been a pretty good year for Issa Rae. Uh, yeah. I hope we see more of her. Uh, her show Insecure was really
0: good. You know, I only saw like one or two episodes of Insecure, and it's again, it's one of these shows where I watched a couple episodes, and I and I quite liked it, but I never just got back to it. Yes. Spider-Verse was great for her. I loved her as president Barbie in the Barbie. She's got, she's got this. Oh my God. She's got this smile that when she smiles on screen and like owns the screen and she's got a contagious energy about her. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to look forward to seeing more of her in that as well. Apparently, All right, guys. Oh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, before we keep going, guys, we're going to take another quick break here and thank another sponsor of today's episode of Open Mic, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Dot com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends in Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of Open Mic. All right, let's get back to your questions here, shall we? Jonathan, what we got up next?
1: Dildar the Glorious. <laughs> Some highlights of my Baldur's Gate uh, adventure. I got infected by mind flayers, saved refugees from goblins, ran into a bugbear, and ogre doing it, Oh, and killed a gnome tied to a windmill by launching him. You know what my
0: highlights of Baldur's Gate 3 are? A what? Character yeah, creation. Green. Yeah. Getting halfway through character creation. Mm. Fuck that
2: game. You know, uh, I heard it's really good after that part.
0: <laughs> you should watch the it game after. actually you should, starts? You should get
2: there. <laughs> I would love to. Well, have you just tried have... pressing start and not even do, doing the character creation just to get to the game? You have to
0: create oh, a character to get yeah, into the game. Yeah, but can't you just
2: pick whatever's right uh, like there? Yeah,
0: even if you did that, there's still certain things you got to do, and uh, it can never get out of character oh, okay. creation. Uh, all right. Yeah, you know, I heard the game it's really good after that. <laughs> all right. What's next?
1: Alex Von Gollum uh, writes, over under 40%, Shang-Chi appears in the marbles. I kind of feel. Uh, the 10 rings and the bangles are related. I hope so. Simu Liu was great in, in his movie. Awesome movie.
0: Simu is great in Shang-Chi. He did tease. Remember, we covered this a couple of months ago. That he teased, like, who knows? Maybe you'll see Shang Chi sooner than you think. Yeah. Right. Uh, I will. I still think forty percent is a little high. I'd say a good twenty five percent. A one in four chance that we see Shang Chi in the marbles. Because I think after credit, at least. At, at the very least. I, I'd say i go to 50% if we're just talking about after credits, but we're talking about in the movie proper. They've clearly, even in Ms. Marvel, they show that there's a connection between the bangle and the 10 rings. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd say there's a shot. i go 25%. All right, what's next?
1: Alex is back and says, Hi, everyone. Given the SAG after strike, do you think TIP will happen? It's supposed to take place next month. Yep.
0: It, it's it's just too important to the industry. Um, I mean, it's it it'll suck for TIFF. The TIFF always loves when the big stars show up and all that kind of stuff. But I think the film festival goes on even as without yeah. it because they've got they've already sold tickets to it, all that kind of stuff. So I think TIFF goes and on. The producers
1: regardless. have to sell their their movies. Yep. So
0: and, I, and look, I I can't say that for certain. I mean, maybe they pull the plug on it or delay it. But I this is a major event that they that tons of planning goes into. It's not just a one it's not like the Oscars where it's a one day thing. This is a big, huge event. Business is being done at these things. Tickets are sold. I I think it still happens regardless. All right. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, TIFF is the largest film festival in the world. It's It's the Toronto International
1: Film Festival. It's it's massive. All right, what's next? Fangblaze writes, 476 million box office. Did Ant-Man 3 break even? No. No,
0: No, we went through the numbers on that one before. Unfortunately, it did. I mean, it wasn't a super major flop where it lost hundreds of millions of dollars, but it did not break even. All right, what's next?
1: Bobby Jackson writes, hey, John, have you had a chance to get caught up on season three of Superman and Lois now that it's available on Max? I... did. Wait, I know
0: I finished season two. No, I didn't finish. No, I didn't finish season three because I know season three ends with the, with uh, the battle beginning between Superman and Doomsday. I got a couple episodes into season three and I sort of tapped out again. Um, yeah, I Superman and Lois is a really interesting show to me. I it's a show of two different shows. There's Superman and Lois, the show that. Is about Superman and Lois. And that show is great. Then there's the Superman and Lois show that's about all the other characters in Superman and Lois, including her two, his two idiot sons.
2: Um, <laughs> One idiot son.
0: And no, I no, the other one's as big oh, as big he's an idiot. A, yeah, he, he's he an idiot they, Yeah, these kids are morons. Wow. And Superman. And all the other characters that live in Smallville are all morons they're all i i have found myself really not caring
2: You're about a nice guy aren't you
0: i i can't help it it's like everything that has to do with superman and with lois i love the show but i don't give a shit that i want to be the starting quarterback on my high school football team who the fuck cares there, there, there's there's these superpowered beings that are threatening the earth, and Superman discovering his destiny, and all mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, all the kids at the school are getting hooked on this this kryptonite based drug. Nobody gives a shit. Oh, Lana Lang is running for mayor. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> get, get back to Superman Can and his brother
2: in Smallville. It's so corrupt there in that small village.
0: Yeah. It just, again, it just became <laughs> two different shows. One was actually a really kind of different look at Superman dealing with the struggles of being a father, which is really cool. And then there's the part of the show that's about, that's very, very, very CW.
2: There's a twist to the show. Superman finds a fence, climbs over. They've been in a endangered Institute the whole time. It's just uh, It's like the the night night thing.
1: By the way, here's a shot. That's Robbie Robertson right next to Bob Dylan. This is from The Last Waltz. Here's a shot with Scorsese. Very young. Scorsese with Robbie Robertson. So, yeah, that's from The Last Waltz. Very cool. Um, All right. Uh, Is this where we were left off? John Redcorn, they won't do it, but if I'm Disney, I'd... I'd Batgirl the Echo show if it's bad after Secret Invasion and Ant-Man 3. You can risk damaging the Marvel brand further. And- I 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, I do. That, do. Like,
0: Marvel cannot afford to keep just putting out crap stuff. People have are losing interest at a rapid rate in the MCU. And if, and this is a big if, like, unlike Batgirl, which even before the public reports came out, we had started hearing from the people we know that back was absolutely dreadful. And then, like, even the, the Warner Brothers executive started from, yeah, it was all it was so bad we couldn't put it out. I have not heard such things about Echo myself. I've not heard that Echo's good, I've not heard that Echo's bad. I know I don't care about Echo, but I have not heard that it's bad, I've not heard that as good. Mm. But if, and this is a big if, if the show is really bad. They absolutely just need to mothball it. They need to just put it into a crate, like at the end of uh, Raiders: The Lost Ark, and hide it away somewhere, warehouse, and don't let anybody see it. Okay, mothball. Because it'll just hurt. It'll hurt the brand even more. Hundred percent. They should do that. If if it's bad, I haven't heard it's bad,
1: but if it is, yeah, put it away. All right. What's next? Fangblaze writes, do any of the MCU live action shows uh, besides Loki have plans for a second season? It's weird. They only do one-off shows besides Loki.
0: Um, Ms. Marvel, maybe. I think I've yeah. heard that they do want to do a second season of Ms. Marvel, which is great because I desperately love that show. Um, I don't think they planned on doing two se- multiple seasons of Hawkeye from what I know. I think Moon Knight, they're talking about doing a second season. I think that season. was,
1: yeah, in the talks.
0: Yeah, but I don't think they should do another season of Moon Knight, but I think that's they're,
1: they're hoping to do another season of Moon Knight. I still don't understand how he fits into the wider MCU. Yeah. It's just kind of weird.
0: I ultimately don't really care if he fits into the wider MCU. Yeah. I just cared that I didn't like the show, yeah. you know? Um, Falcon the Winter Soldier, they're obviously moved that on yep. to the big screen. Yep. We got Sam is now Captain America in the movie version coming, so Loki might be the only one. All right, what's next?
1: Down well rights. Uh, I wish movies started on time. The wait times are getting ridiculous. Uh, don't I'm not I, don't even
0: get me going on my regular rant. I agree. I th- here's oh, what I think I they thought you're do. done. No, no, I'm just gonna <laughs> say this. Either start the movie, just advertise the start time that the movie actually starts, or put two times. Say show time is 7 p.m. movie starts at 726. If people are buying tickets, they should have the right to know what
1: time the movie actually starts. If you go to a concert, it says doors open this time. Yes. Show starts this time. Yes.
0: I 100% agree. It just, all that's, and that's an easy fix. Say show times at seven, movie begin. If you pay money to buy a ticket, you have the
1: right to know what time the show starts. Simple as that. All right. What's next? Say Much writes, hi, John. As a movie pundit how do you navigate movie conversations with conservative religious friends or family who might oppose watching certain genres like graphic or horror, et cetera? It's really simple. Not all movies are for everybody. Right. Yeah.
0: It's it's actually a really simple conversation. Like if, because look, I come from a very, very, uh, not not from my family, but, you know, circles I traveled in when I was a bit younger, uh, a lot of very, very religious friends and stuff like that. And, you know, they don't want to, uh, some of those people don't want to watch things that'll have, like, gr- a lot of hardcore language or graphic sex and nudity or, like, a lot of uh, violence. Funny, those are the three things I first look for in a movie I want to watch. But, you know, it's, and the answer is simple. Eh, not every movie's for everybody. You know, it's that simple. You know, a lot of people writing questions asking about One Piece. It's not for me. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be for me. Just because it's not for me doesn't mean it can't be for a lot of other people. And same thing with movies. I love some people say, I tried watching that star Wars and I just, I just found it ridiculous. You know what? That's that sucks. I love star Wars, but not every movies for everybody. And that's okay. It's absolutely a hundred percent. Okay. You don't need to, you shouldn't try to convince somebody to like something they don't like, or that's not for them. It's like, Hey, you know what? If, um, if horror isn't your thing, you know what? Don't, don't watch horror movies. There are a lot of other types of movies you should watch. Uh, action films aren't your thing. You know what? No problem. You find sci-fi a little bit silly, no problem. Lots of other types of
1: movies for you. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. All right. What's next? All right. Down well with a touchy subject. What video games have you been playing? I'll tell you what game I haven't been playing.
0: <laughs> Baldur's Gate. You're really great at the creative character. I, I'm getting so good Man. at the creative character. I'm getting so good at the first half of character creation, it's crazy. Um, besides that, I, I still run in the theater room, pop on my PlayStation, I'm playing. I still play a little bit of Last of Us. Uh, I and I look. I'm, I don't care. I love playing Mario Kart. I still get in there, and jump I on know, Mario Kart. Man.
1: Hades. Wait, Have you have you done any gaming in the theater room? No, Ray's never played a game.
2: No, in the I, every time Dude. I go there, I'm like, Hey, do you guys have uh, what was the last game I don't want to play? play a game Diablo Four. I movies. wanted to play Diablo Four. Yeah, I
0: got Diablo Four on the PlayStation but Four. September PlayStation six, 5. they get Boulder's Gate. I, you know what? I don't think they're going to meet that date. I'm still reading from the developers' point out. It's like we're PlayStation racing to 5? Get rid-
2: What's that? PlayStation Five. You're talking about the Xbox. Is th- they don't have a date for Xbox yet?
0: Right, but I don't think they're going to make their September 6th release oh, date. Of for the
2: PC. PlayStation 5? Yeah, I don't think they will. Oh, wow. I thought that thing was good to go. I hope
0: they do, because apparently I can't play it on my PC. All right, what's next?
2: Uh, Ethan
1: Company uh, Entertainment writes, when will the John Campy movie come out? Uh, I can officially tell
0: you that we have signed a deal for it to come out when Blade comes out. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's going to come out when Blade comes out. <laughs> so probably never. All right, oh, what's next? Uh, Starring Mahershala Ali also. <laughs> Also starring Mahershala yeah. Ali as John Campion. Oh, no.
1: that's the weird part. As Ray. Oh. Yeah, as Ray. Mahershall yeah. Ali as Ray. <laughs> Luke 1234 writes. Mahershala <laughs> Ray based. Ali.
2: Loosely based. <laughs> loosely based. <laughs> <laughs> Very loosely based.
1: <laughs> Luke 1234 writes, with inflation and streaming prices rising, I wonder if the average person will either start hopscotching streaming service or do piracy. It's uh, to the seas with piracy. It, it, it's
0: going to be grinding. It's it's going to be, or ch- the churn. The churn is the term they use that, hey, you know what? I have my Disney Plus account when this show, like when Ahsoka's on, then once Ahsoka's done, I cancel my Disney Plus account. And then I wait for, a, and then I'll go to another streaming service. And more, I think more and more people are going to start doing that, to be honest with you.
1: All right, what's next? Boon Tan writes, kept up with Only Murders Season 3 and Harley Quinn Season 4 yet? Not with only murders yet. And, and I were just talking about that the other day, we haven't started on the yeah, new
0: season either. of only murders yet, but we all, ca- we are caught up with Harley Quinn and it has been a delightful season. Uh, the, the villain con on the moon with the latest episode was really freaking Steppenwolf is in the new episode of Harley Quinn and it's
1: hilarious. All right. What's next? Um, Kane Carnage writes, Ian McShane has been cast as the narrator for the live-action One Piece. I do love his voice. This show only gets more and more exciting August 31st. I'm glad it's getting exciting for you. <laughs> I'll leave it
0: at that. I'm, I'm very, very glad it's exciting. Hey, but hey, you're right. Ian McShane's got a great voice. I, could listen. I got excited about the Continental trailer just because the one guy sounded like Ian McShane. So 100% agree with you. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, fun fact, I'm neighbors with um, the guy who did all the storyboarding for the— uh, and the previz for all the oh, the that's show. awesome! All the previz. Um, Red one Re- real talk writes uh, with the changes to Marvel's release schedule. Do you think there's uh, projects besides Blade that could get axed? Uh, wondering if well, we don't know that Blade got axed, but you know, wondering if Feige tweaks the direction of MCU with the bigger breakdown between MCU movies. Look, all I can do is speculate. <laughs> he starts laughing. I I I do speculate that they're making changes
0: um, and. There have let's just say there have been some MCU projects that we haven't heard mentioned in a while. Uh, Nova. uh, Like Nova's one of them. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Nova. I think more things that were on the Disney Plus side, Bob Iger said when he he came back, we are going to reel things back. We're going to pull back a bit. They have oversaturated the MCU and diluted the brand. So Blade, listen, according to them, Blade is still happening, but... I do believe there are going to be some projects that they had announced that will just very quietly go into the good night. And I think that's probably a good idea. Which ones? Don't know. But there like, there are some, like Ray's mentioned, Nova, and there have been a few others that we haven't heard mentioned in a while. So we'll see. All right, what's next? All right,
1: final one. And sorry, Cash, you got only the first half, but hi, John and crew. How are you feeling about the Hunger Games movie coming out soon? I wasn't excited at all, but I used to be a big fan of the franchise. I'll
0: tell you what. Prior to CinemaCon, back in April, zero interest in Hunger Games, Snakes and Ladders, or whatever they're calling it, Snakes and Songbirds, Reptiles and Amphibians, whatever it is called, mm-hmm. had zero interest in it. And then, and I didn't think anybody else had interest in it either. And then they gave a presentation at CinemaCon. And I, I, I got to admit, I was like, I'm intrigued by this now. This actually looks kind of interesting. And the response to the presentation was pretty enthusiastic. And then the trailer dropped and it got a lot of views, (laughs) that trailer. And people kind of got so...
1: Plus they did great on uh, de-aging Eminem. (laughs) Awesome, man.
0: I will say I am, I'm not going to say I'm super excited for it because I'm not, so I'm not going to lie. But I'm quite interested in it now. (laughs) to see what they do. Because again, the presentation they showed was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. So yeah. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those tip links and super chats. Number one, because you gave us really fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget to come on back and join us again tomorrow. And so for now, the guys in the studio, Ray Aura. Bye. Remember, <laughs> the guy who's predicting $2 billion for Deadpool, but it won't crack a billion. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Voico. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> my name's John Campion. Until next time, my friends. <laughs> bye-bye.